0: Hi everyone, welcome to a special interview episode of Legends of the Old West. If you're listening to this right after it's been released, we're just a few short days from the premiere of our new show, Infamous America. It starts in October with Season 1, Salem, a show that will tell the story of the Salem Witch Trials. And many of you have probably seen the name Black Barrel Media associated with this show or on social media. My sister and I teamed up to form a company to produce audio and video content, and it will be the home for Legends of the Old West and infamous America. The Legends website and social media channels will all still be active. We're still going to keep posting everything related to this show on those pages. That won't change. But from now on, oldwestpodcast.com will redirect you to our company's website, blackbarrelmedia.com. Head over there and check it out. It'll be your one-stop shop for information about the shows and the videos we've produced and everything else. That's where you want to go from now on. But all right, at this moment, you're here to listen to Craig Johnson, author of the Walt Longmire Mysteries. Craig's books are fixtures on the New York Times bestseller list, and his new novel, Depth of Winter, is no exception. Those of you who have been longtime listeners will know that I spoke to Craig over the summer, so this is a fun follow-up to that interview. He spent the month of September touring the country to promote his book, and I caught up with him in Scottsdale, Arizona. We talked about the annual event Longmire Days and what it's like to be on a book tour, and of course, Depth of Winter. Here's Craig Johnson. Attention lovers of mysteries. I certainly count myself as one. In recent years, I've become flat-out addicted to British and Scottish mystery novels, movies, and TV shows, and the natural extension of those is a game that allows me to experience the mystery instead of just reading it or watching it. Don your own detective hat in June's Journey, a free, hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. It's set in the glitz and glamour of the roaring 20s, and you play as June deciphering clues and uncovering secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. New chapters are added to the game each week, and you can personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island, where the story takes place. Download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device or play online via Facebook Games. Your detective journey awaits. So, Craig, thank you again. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for doing a second interview with us in, what, three months, I guess? It is, it something is. Something like that? <laughs> I think, yeah, we, we met at the force in, in Billings, Montana, at the Western Writers of America mm-hmm. convention. As I just showed you, I'm using my little Western Writers of America booklet. You are. Again. Got all my notes here, ready to go. You drank the Kool-Aid and everything, yeah, didn't you? It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. quite tasty, so I brought some more along with me here today. Um... So, for, I guess, as I, let me address the new listeners real quick. So we've accrued a lot of new listeners over the summer as the show has been growing. So, anyone who has not heard the first interview that I did with Craig, it was a, a July issue. So, we're kind of following up on that. At that in that mm-hmm. interview, you gave us a great tease of The Depth of Winter, which you are now out on tour promoting. I am. So, we're <laughs> going to talk a little bit about that. And so... We have some limitations for what we're going to talk about but we probably will get into a few spoilers down the road in this podcast. So I okay. for you listeners who are hearing this and you're big fans, I will give you a <laughs> warning. You will be warned when the spoilers You, you will hear, come out. A exactly. hear a noise, you'll exactly. like hear a noise. There will be a big sirens and bells <laughs> so Coyotes you know. howling and exactly. yeah. <laughs> so you know when to pause it and when to come back to us when we get to that point. Uh, but for right now, we're here in Scottsdale, Arizona and you are just a couple days into your book tour to support this to support the new book. Uh, We're at the Poison Pen Bookstore in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's a great little place. If you've ever been in here, any of you, Arizona, fans you can come in you can see all the pictures of the authors on the walls. as I look at them right now everybody has stopped through here you've been here uh, probably a couple times haven't you oh
1: geez I've been here since the very first book yeah, cold you, dish like that, right. back in 05 like that. so yeah every year you're a veteran this is this I is am stops I on the am tour. okay well this is this is a big deal this is a probably if you were to pick out you know probably one of the most powerful and uh, astute uh, mystery bookstores you know and probably in the world I think you know this one certainly has you get everybody else a run for their money
0: yeah certainly if, if anyone lives in the phoenix area if you're stopping through Phoenix if you're in the Scottsdale area come check it out it's a great little independent bookstore there are few and far between anymore so this is a proud little independent bookstore please come by and check it out um, so the first thing we wanted to say before we even dive into the tours, I want to hear a little bit about the tour. But since we last saw you, my sister and I really wanted to try to get to Longmire Days in August, <laughs> and we could not make it. We were buried in our production schedule. We tried. We looked at the flights. We tried to pull it off. We couldn't do it. So tell me about Longmire Days. How was the event? This well,
1: year? well, first off, don't worry about it because it happens every year. Yes, like we're,
0: that, we're already planning for next year.
1: And yeah, it's uh, even though you know, like we're, we're streaming the the six seasons of the television show on uh, Netflix, uh, the books are still going great like that, and uh, and the town of Buffalo is. Uh, wholly behind the idea of like continuing to do uh, Longmire days and I'm I'm happy to do it I'm going to write these books you know until I fall over the computer like or <laughs> whatever I haven't been writing on in 20 or 30 years like it and then uh, Robert Taylor said he's going to keep doing Longmire days if they have to wheel him out in a wheelchair awesome so well, he's too. game so don't yeah. worry about it it'll be fine like that Yeah. You know, it was it, it was it was incredible this year it really really was like it I mean you always think it's going to kind of slack off a little bit maybe be not quite so big as it was like it but it just gets bigger and bigger every year like that and um And maybe a little smoother every year. I mean, whenever you've got a town of about 4,500 people that's, you know, trying to host, you know, something of the the scope, you know, of Longmire days, you know, which is, uh, you know, all those TV personas, you know, and then like, you know, 15 to 20,000 people, you know, show up. And it's uh, it's amazing, like it really is, like that. It's not it, more the more of a disaster, you know, than, than it is. Like um and I, I mean that in the in the most yeah. you know charming of senses. Like that, it's uh, it's kind of nice, like that, because you know everybody's really um, extraordinarily well behaved for a crowd that size, and um, it's funny like that because. Every year, the sheriff and the uh, the chief of police for Buffalo come out and do a crime report. Um, every week, you know, after you know Longmire days, look at and you know the, the thing they're always amazed by is that you know we have twenty thousand extra people in town and there's no extra crime, nothing wow. happens like that. And I'm like, well, you know, these are all people whose hero is a sheriff. You know, yeah. so you know they're they're it's not like Sturgis or anything. You know, yeah. it's 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 actually a pretty well-behaved group like that. And uh, you know, hey, this this year was fantastic. Like it had had uh, you know I think that, I can't remember. I think the charitable auction like that made something like forty-three thousand oh dollars. The oh Occidental Hotel and um, the Ferg's uh, motorcycle ride made close to $9,000, you know, for the animal shelter there in Buffalo. Oh, my gosh. Um, we always try to break it up a little bit so that you have a, you know, a national charity like that and then a local charity. Sure. Too, you know, so we can kind of um, make it beneficial for all parties like that. But we had a really great group of actors that were there, um, just about everybody, you know, from the cast. Yeah and uh and they were great it was everybody had a wonderful time
0: fantastic yeah i was gonna say that i know a martinez was there and thank you for the introduction uh in billings well he was there i'm, I'm pretty sure he was there this time around wasn't he he was oh yeah. yeah oh yeah we've kept in touch with him yeah. since, since you introduced him since we did an interview again for any new listeners right after craig's episode <laughs> in, in our series <laughs> is an interview with a martinez and he's a fantastic guy, so we've got oh. in touch with him, we're talking to him about... Uh, he's like,
1: just an extraordinary human being, so, yeah. just an amazing individual like that. And, you know, to have the pedigree, you know, that he has, you know, in westerns, yeah. for gosh sakes. I mean, you know, one of the first big movies he ever did was with John, John Wayne, May, Cowboys, for goodness yeah. sake. Like, and, uh, you know, I think he was what? He was six when he was in that movie, wasn't he? Like, <laughs> It feels like it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe twelve. I don't know. We'll, yeah, we'll give him a little it's bit. of But uh, but yeah, he's just an extraordinary individual like that. And uh, you know, we got an amazing group of people like that. I mean, you know, the show. You know, it's got six seasons that's streaming on Netflix now like that. But I mean, I think the the cast is extraordinarily close knit, um, and it was a unique kind of show for them to be involved with. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be doing like a. Uh, Um, An event up in uh, Pueblo a city read for Pueblo Pueblo reads the cold dish uh, the first book in the Walt Longmire series And I lo and behold. I was surprised like that I I got an email message, you know from Lou Diamond Phillips and he says I'm gonna be there I'm gonna fly in like it and do the do the read with you and oh I was gosh. like, wow, you Fantastic. know? And I mean, that, that's the kind of people they are. Like, I mean, they just, you know, we really kind of stumbled onto an amazing cast. Yeah, I
0: it's think. incredible that this that the books create, led to that TV show, mm-hmm. but the cast became so close. And they, oh, yeah. It's all been in, infused and intertwined with it each is. other. It everyone is. is sticking together mm-hmm. after the show is finished, but the books are obviously still going. Yep. Everyone still feels a part of it. That's oh, yeah. Oh, it,
1: it, it, yeah. Normally, it, this kind of thing just doesn't happen no, all it that doesn't. often. No. So
0: I can't think of another example on the top of my head. I'll <laughs> have to really start searching my memory to see if something <laughs> like this find uh an equivalent, but I don't can't think of at the moment. So great. That we will certainly play on it. And I guess I have a new goal for next year, which is to learn how to ride a motorcycle so I can go on the ride with Ferg <laughs> if he does it again. I, well
1: now you can go on the horseback part. ride too yeah, like I'll get, okay, so, I, do okay. That's I don't need to get I don't need to renew my license <laughs> for that one.
0: Um so uh, so you are on a book tour. So tell me about the, a book tour. What how, how does your schedule work? You were running around like a madman crisscrossing the country. By the time people actually hear this interview, it's a couple with me a couple of weeks after uh-huh. we're recording it. Uh-huh. You will be on the other side of the country by that point. Oh yeah, getting close to the end. So, yeah. what's the routine like, and what are the events that you do?
1: Some of the stops. Oh, I mean, you know, we just finished one just last night up in Denver um, at the Lone Tree Event Center, like that. That was like I think it was 478 people. Mm-hmm. I think you know it was uh, just an incredible event, like it. And um, you know, the books, you know, have gotten a lot more traction. I mean, after 14 years of you know of of, uh, of books, like it, you know, in 10 years, you know, on the New York Times bestsellers list, yeah. and then six years of a television show certainly yeah. doesn't hurt at all. Like that, but uh, you know, to have all of these things happening, I mean, you know, the, the big thing is, is used to. I think it's you know, the, the publishing industry's changed changed a lot, I mean, over the years. And you know, used to that everybody—that's that's what they did. Like they would take authors and they would send them out and have them do book tours. Is what they did. Like that. And then, you know, it kind of became, I think, financially prohibitive. Like you know, a lot of times, you know, and and also you're up against a lot of competition out there. You know, to try and get people into bookstores to actually, you know, and hear and you know, and have you know writers read their work and that type of thing. It's a little bit more difficult these days. Like that. And so I'm I'm extremely fortunate, like that the 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 publisher that I've got, you know, is just a strong believer that you know if I'm out there I'm going to sell books you know and yeah. so um so they they've always been you know kind of pushed you know for a you know, larger scale um, tours. And, you know, I guess, you know, I kind of pushed for it too, because I got to be honest. I mean, when they first started touring me, um, it was funny like that, because I would get all of these emails from little bookstores up in Montana and Idaho, Washington, Oregon, Utah, and they would write me and they would say, when is Viking Penguin going to send you to Baker City, Oregon? And I'd have to write them back and go, never, they're never (laughs) going to do that. Like, And, uh, you know, because what they're always trying to do is they're always trying to get you into the largest, um, demographics possible, so sure. they can get the largest amount of sales of possible yeah. to get you further up on the New York Times bestsellers list sure. as quick as possible. And so, you know, Wyoming, Montana, you know, Idaho, mean, Utah, yeah, 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 we're not we're not high on that that demographic list. Look at, so what I'd do is I would tell them, you know, well, I'll tell you what, I'll. I'll gather up your information, I'll put it in a file, and then if I get a chance and I'm in the area or something, I'll try and set something up with you. like that, Well, you know, a couple of years go by, like that, and I had this old motorcycle that I bought back in 1996, and I had that thing, and it got about 80 miles of the gallon. And I thought, you know what, if you took off on that thing, you could do a great big 5,000-mile loop all the way up through Montana, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, Utah, and swing back around into Wyoming— and you know, it gets eighty miles a gallon. Like if I can find enough sofas, you know, to surf sure, on, like that, sure. this would be pretty good to do. Like it. And so, it started out like with about maybe I think about a half a dozen bookstores um, the first year that I did it. And by the time that I finally had to quit doing it, um, I think it was close to thirty bookstores wow. that I was hitting in that uh, motorcycle so you tour. Made up your own motorcycle I, tour did, I did, I yeah. did. Like And uh, and I think you know, I think Viking Penguin also noticed you know that that had a large scale effect. Sure. You know, because we were in the Pacific Northwest bestsellers list year after year after year, and they started thinking. You know, we sell books when Craig is out on the road. You know, so maybe we should send him out on the we road. Do this okay. board, yeah, be a real thing that we do. and so you know they did. Like as a matter of fact, there was even one one of the executives there at Viking Penguin and says, "Is there any way you think we could get him out on the road and have him do like a, maybe four different motorcycle tours, like on uh, the four different sections?" And find I think uh, Catherine Court, the president of Penguin, said, "We do need to give him enough time to go home and write yeah. every once <laughs> in a while." Exactly, to it's a vicious vicious circle, yeah, is what it is. <laughs> for sure.
0: Well, actually, maybe think about it, too, that before, I think, were you basically home for the summer? I know you were in you were in in Europe in the spring. Yeah. And now you're on the road here. Yeah. Did you get to finally have some time to just write at home and relax a little bit? Well, yeah.
1: I mean, whenever I'm at the ranch, that's always going to be the priority, like, is to be able to write. And, right. You know, because that's what I do. That's what I really love doing. It's what I enjoy doing. It's always funny because I'll be talking to, like, workshops, you know, with the you know, would-be writers like that, and, you know, and they're always like, well, what's it like to go out and have a beer with Lou Diamond Phillips? And what's it like to, you know, have a book? tour in france and all this i'm always looking at them and going you do know that's like three percent of my life right yeah. the other 97 percent is like at my ranch sitting in a room by myself typing about my imaginary friends okay yeah. and so you know it's a little bit you know different from what people think maybe yeah. not quite sure. so romantic sure. as they might think sure. like, but uh, but yeah i had plenty of time to write this sure. summer yeah, like, as, and... like as
0: opposed to train stations and boat, right and, and right and terminals oh and absolutely that, like do, oh to, yeah I remember you saying you had to you've had to almost teach yourself how to write oh, yeah. in those environments but now. Hopefully you had the summer to relax and, you know, we'll all find out what's coming up next for Walt.
1: Well, you think you're, it's precious, you know, and you think you have to sit in your chair and your yeah, desk with your of mug of coffee, yeah, looking right. out your window you get yeah. past that after a while.
0: Yep. I totally understand. Um, all right. So at this point we are going to transition and talk a little, bit about, a little bit about the depth of winter. Okay. Um, so anyone who's listening, if you haven't read, we're not going to get too deep into the details and too deep into the spoilers, <laughs> but we are going to talk about a few things, a few points that happen. So if you have not read the book yet, Please pause and come back to us when you're done. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll be here waiting for you. But for the time being, we're going to move on and talk about Depth of Winter. Um, so I, I typically think it's best to begin at the beginning. So we'll start uh, right off the bat with when we first spoke, you decided that this was, this was the book that was going to be the confrontation between Walt and the character of Tomas Bedard, mm-hmm. the, his kind of nemesis, mm-hmm. the most evil character of the series so far. Yeah. What made, it, what made this the right time? to bring that con- con- confrontation to it?
1: Okay. Well, you know, it, it actually, you know, I mean, these confrontations started, like at the, you know, conflict between these two individuals started like in uh, Serpent's Tooth, like that, which was about five novels back. Right. And, you know, I wanted to try and see what would happen, you know, with having a, you know, an arc of conflict that would go further, you know, than just one novel, you know, because that's actually one of the the hard parts about, you know, whenever you're writing murder mysteries like that or, you know, know, crime fiction or whatever you want to call it, um, you come up with these, you know, these, these. uh, really really interesting antagonists you know and you develop you know backgrounds for them like that and develop them and then you work so hard to make them and then they're dead by the time the book is over like and so you you lose them you know and so you know i thought well what would happen if maybe i can like you know get this arc maybe just go with a longer arc um, for this particular character like that and see What can happen to it and also you know Walt You know is um, pretty much you know I mean he's, he's been confronted before like that But this individual is one of those guys that just keeps Coming at him mm-hmm. keeps coming At him and not only him but his Friends his family, his family yeah. I mean Everybody around everybody. him and so There don't seem to be any rules of civility With this individual at all yeah. like that It's all kind of like you know gone down the drain and so You know Walt really just doesn't have any You know that, that much of a, a choice In the matter anymore he's gonna have to deal with this individual one way or another. And, you know, this is a different kind of book in many ways. It's a thriller. It's not really a mystery like that. Um, It's very epic in nature. Um, It's also very foreign, you know, to to coin the phrase. Like, you know, Walt's not only out of his, you know, his county, he's not only out of his state, he's out of his country. You know, he's happening to, you know, contend, you know, with a situation that's actually in a foreign country. He's not really receiving a great deal of support, you know, from his own government. He's certainly not receiving any support, you know, from the Mexican government. And so he's kind of on his own, you know, in this particular book, you know, without the resources and the background and the, you know, the individuals that he usually counts on in these situations. And so it made for a much more difficult book to write. And I don't know. I guess the way I look at books is kind of like mountains. You know, you can, you know, some mountains are taller than others. Like, that. and so it'll take you a while to get the momentum up. You know, to sure. being able to write. You know, certain books. And I think with this one, of course, you know, I mean, with the ending of Western Star, you can see that it was more than I could contain in one book. You know, by the time it got, you got to the end of the Western Star. You know, there was a dual narrative going on that with that yeah. one. Um, and then there were portions of the storyline that had to continue on simply because I needed the momentum of one novel to just carry me in. Uh, to the next one and uh and you know this one depth of winter kind of hits the ground running i
0: was was about to say i was that's a that's a question i had written down anyway so we'll just get right into it you really (laughs) do dive right into the action from page one yeah walt Walt is in mexico yep he's trying to find his daughter he's on the adventure he's on the trail the entire time yep and I, i thought that was a really interesting way to do it there's no there's no setup you could have built up to it so i guess what what made you want to just jump right in And just kind of make references to things that may have happened, but you didn't show any of the build-up and the the kidnapping and that kind of thing. Well, it's just there.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you know, with a thriller like that, you know, you really don't have the luxury of you know building up momentum. You really don't have the time. Like I had to do a lot of expository, you know, in the beginning of the book, you know, because that slows things down. It really, really does. And normally, I I really enjoy that type of thing. I really enjoy like dealing out those, you know, those cards, you know, those plot cards one by one. Um, but in this one, I definitely knew that, okay, you know, with the situation being as dire as it is, Walt is not going to be open to the idea of, you know, a slow, you know, moving, uh, you know, uh, investigation. Like, that to sure. find out where his daughter is and what it is that's going to happen. He needs to be hitting the ground right away. Like that. And uh, that kind of predicated the entire structure of the novel to a certain extent.
0: Great, great. And so I, I, was, I was thinking about the, the title of it. Anyway, as as to kind of slowly work backwards a little bit. The depth of winter felt like I, I think the average I think the average person as they walk up and see it, they're going to assume it <laughs> takes place in a snowy winter environment and now that you, your books do take on the seasons it just kind of takes place in a winter season. Oh yeah, but clearly it's not in a snowy environment. It's oh. almost there's a layer of irony to the title. Oh, absolutely. It's down in Mexico in, in the heat. Absolutely. The this whole thing. So well, well I, I get How did a, the title come about?
1: Well, you know, I get, I get emails from people like you know, on a periodic basis like they'll write me emails and they'll say there's a lot of snow in your books, you know, and I'm yeah. like, well, I don't live in Key West, no, you know, <laughs> like a I guess, lot so you know we have like two seasons in wyoming we have winter and the fourth of july and sometimes flurries on the fourth of july like and so um with that like and as you said like that there's a a kind of a a seasonal kind of structure to the books like that. and this was going to be the winter book yep. and so when i stumbled you know across that albert camus quote um that even i was surprised to discover that even in the depths of winter i held within me an yeah. eternal summer like that um I, I, it's you know it's it, it, it touches on a number of different bases first of all look like at it was a little bit of a a little bit of a curveball like at to the uh, to the readers yeah, like yeah, that because sure. i figured they would probably think okay this is the winter book and it's depth of winter boy this is going to be one cold book i yeah. an okay, and as it turns out it never gets below 92 degrees <laughs> i don't think um and then the other one is is that it kind of speaks a little bit to the humanity aspect of the books you know and i mean and and certainly to walt like i mean in this book in particular walt um is facing off you know with these this drug cartel in uh, northern Mexico and these are absolutely ruthless individuals I mean brutally violent individuals like that with not you know much of a a sense of of humanity like that and uh, the question becomes you know how can you go up against um, individuals like that and still retain your own humanity still retain what it is that makes you you know a decent human being like that but still you know be capable of like you know stopping them in their tracks right. and so that became one of the major questions you know within the book I think you know is does does Wald walk away from this you know unscathed or yeah, does yeah. he he walk away you know perhaps you know maybe a little bit harmed like yeah. it in some way
0: how much how much like them does he have to become to defeat them exactly be- exactly so I actually just a pure curiosity there I won't give any way away into the details but how did you some of the more vicious things that the cartel members are said to have done to victims? Mm-hmm. There's a couple in particular that I can think of. but oh. did, did you research those and find out that those things actually happened? Or yeah, did you I did. Just dream out, did you just go to the darkest place? No, I. In your mind you
1: know, mind? I you know what? You know what? I, I don't know if my mind is capable of yeah, summing up like at what these yeah. guys can do like that. And uh, I started doing a lot of the research. Like at a lot of the Guardian newspapers, like it have, you know a lot of like really detailed information you know about you know some of the things that these guys have done, and it just is blood curdling. It's yeah. literally blood curdling. Oh my goodness! Like incredible. that, and you know the beheadings and yeah. the you know the I mean, and you know liquefying people in fifty-five yeah. gallon drums like that. I mean, they're just it's some of those horrific things you've ever heard of. I mean, it sounds like it's coming out of like you know something from like you know ancient you know history or yeah. something. Um, the brutality of it, like that, and um, it it, it kind of makes sense though, like that because I mean, Tomas Bedard is a monster among monsters. I think it is that you know one of the yeah, one of somebody, the, Ed, Ed yeah. Martinez mm-hmm. says like at that, that here is an individual who um, who has found a home like that, that this is the perfect yeah. environment He's for him. He's carved out a home. Yeah.
0: Like, like he was somehow worse. Yes.
1: He, <laughs> he was worse than of all the of the of guys area. that were there. Like that. And uh, and so that just kind of gives you an indication of, you know, what it is that, you know, the Walt's going to have to go up against, you know. But it's, uh, you know, I mean, Tomas Bedart made the mistake of taking Walt on in, Ab- in Absaroka County one yeah. time, you know, when he had, you know, both Vic and Henry, you know, for backup, you know, and all of his jurisdictional applications, you know, and all of his resources. And it didn't end well for Tomas Bedart. Yeah. Like, it didn't at all. Like, and so I think, you know, he learned from that mistake and thought, okay, you know, we're going to have to be in a different, uh, yeah. a different kind of home environment. Yeah, home field advantage for yep. the next exactly. Time. There's
0: going to be the ultimate confrontation. He wants it to be on his side. Exactly. Plan. And he certainly seems like he has set up his own little world of oh, fortress yeah. to do that. For oh, sure. yeah. So Walt is definitely walking into the lion's den Mm -hmm. to try to resolve the conflict of the of the novel i'm afraid so but you you did touch on something that i absolutely want to talk about because i love the fact that you start each book with a quote Mm -hmm. i've I've always enjoyed that i want you know my previous life writing some screenplays i used to love doing that too. Uh so I, i wanted to ask you specifically is it give me the chicken and the egg scenario here at what point sometimes do you find the quote and that influences the title of the book or are you writing along and you come up with a title and then you start maybe looking for a specific quote or at what point in the process do you find these quotes that seem to work so perfectly with the novel?
1: Uh, well, thank you. Look, at, um, I, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, sometimes you know it is that you know you have such a strong sense of like what the book is about. You know, which is always the big indication there. I mean, you know. Um, I never want to write books where I'm just like, you know, stacking up bodies like cordwood, you know, I want to have a, a message that I'm trying to get across. And so if you do have that message, it sensitizes you to like, you know, quotes and information like that, that might, you know, coincide, you know, with whatever that philosophy might happen to be like that. But then again, it's also a situation where, you know, um, you'll stumble across one that just sounds just so perfect sure. that you have to use it. Sure. Um, the second one, you know, that's used. I think it's in the Proffiero Diaz uh, quote. Yeah, we've
0: actually got the books right here. I'll yeah, just open yeah. Let's, let's and
1: rather than see. like you know d- d- bastardize it, like I'd probably just have we you read it. there, there, there <laughs> Poor
0: Mexico, so far from God and so near the United States. There you go. That's, Look that's a great <laughs> one. That's a great one.
1: And I don't think there's any character that maybe more you know uh, emblem- is more emblematic of that than the Seer, like that who yes. is uh, the character that. Walt meets in the very first yes. you know, scene of the book. Like that. Here's a, a man who has been poisoned by thalidomide, mm-hmm. um, lost his legs. He's a hunchback. He's blind like that, but he's still referred to as the seer. The seer like exactly. that. So uh, evidently there's more to him than meets the eye. But uh, it, it kind of gives you a little bit of an indication of you know, the kind of borderland situation that, that Walt finds himself in. Very colorful characters, very yes, different type of characters, and a different you know, world, too. Like that. I think there's a point in time when Walt's actually... Um, in the desert like that and and talking about the desert, you know, and and finds it surprisingly comforting. So finds it surprisingly, you know he likes it. Like yeah. that he actually likes like, the he desert. He couldn't
0: be more foreign from where he Yeah, lives, no. But he feels somewhat at home there. He I think so. Like, well,
1: I think also like this the, the natural quality of it. It's not, you know, it, he certainly doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel at home, you know, with what's going on yeah. as far as, like, the society the is concerned yeah. or the business is concerned or anything like that. But he can still look at the beauty of the landscape of Mexico and still appreciate it.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and you, you somewhat referenced this a second ago. So we'll, we'll just, we'll wrap up with a couple of last quick questions here. We know you pressed for time as you got, to keep a schedule here. Um, So I did, I was enjoying the little flashbacks that you worked in here. Mm -hmm. We get to see a little bit of the, the early life of, of Walt and Mm -hmm. Katie. Uh, You know, I I initially thought when I, when I got to the first one, I thought, Oh, I wonder if this is going to be another kind of parallel Mm -hmm. book where we're going to bounce back and forth and see some more of Walt's early life um and so i was kind of i I won't give anything away to the readers haven't gotten it but i was pleased i was pleasantly surprised by the way you did that there's a couple different Mm -hmm. flashbacks of different things throughout Mm -hmm. the novel that i really liked so Mm -hmm. i wanted to at least throw that out there thank you To say that i I appreciated that point and and to see i I liked the way you used them to not explain to the reader exactly how you did but what what prompted the the little flashbacks with katie and then there's a small one with Vic with with the confrontation with Tomas. Right. Um, so. I, I
1: think a lot of it has to do with just you know, how it is that the human mind works. A lot of times like, uh, you know, we work on a very visual, um, visceral sense. Like, and I guess the way that I looked at those little excerpts was almost like snapshots. Um, You know, whenever you think about, especially about people that you care about, you know, family, you know, or people that you, you know, have a strong emotional tie to like that, you know, you just, it's very visual. Like you see them, you know, and you even see them the way they were, you know, whether it was, you know, 40 years ago or 30 years ago or 10 years ago, it doesn't really matter. And it's kind of nice, like, at, to have those little ideas like that. Because in a book like this, you know, obviously one of the greatest motivations that Walt has into weighing into this, you know, this 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 world, you know, that's completely alien to him, is is that his daughter is is you know really kind of up for grabs here, yeah. like that. He's really he has no choice at this point, you know. Bedard set up a situation where Walt really he really doesn't have any choice. Like, he's got to go get his daughter back. Like, that. well, it's very easy to just see you know, Katie as some sort of MacGuffin, you know, some sort of prop device or something like that, and forget that she's a human being that's very, very important to Walt, you know, that it's, you know, essential, you know, to Walt, you know, Walt's life. And so, you know, for me, that was a way of trying to reinforce that, you know, with the reader so that they could see, you know, just how much she meant, you know, to Walt, you know, as they worked their way through the book. Because
0: she does, she does spend a good portion of the book as the Name that's being chased after. Yeah. We don't get to see her much, obviously. Well, yeah. I mean, the
1: books are written in first person, like it, and so it would have been, you know, it would have been quite a reach, like had to suddenly change, you know, and have, you know, Katie's, you know, view of what was going on or something. I haven't done that, you know, in fourteen novels. You know, I mean, I kind of let Walt be the voice, you know, of the novels, like it, and so I thought, you know, okay, well, then maybe those snapshots wouldn't be such a bad idea. This is a way to
0: work her in there. Yeah, I think so. I I I think
1: I think it worked. I hope it did.
0: No, yeah, it certainly certainly has for me. So uh, the last thing I wanted to bring up was just a, a. Fun one. We'll kind of end on a light, more lighthearted note. I love the Bob Lilly <laughs> stuff. <The> Bob <laughs> Lilly ruse cracked me up for the entire time. So I guess if I'm going to phrase a question in here. Why Bob Lilly? How did did Bob Lilly become the choice? You know,
1: when you've got a six foot five, 260 pound white guy, like down in central Mexico or, or Northern Mexico, he's going to kind of stand out, you know, and it was really kind of a difficulty because, you know, what are you going to do with that guy? How are you going to, you can't, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's big, he's white, like, and he's going to stick out like a sore thumb. And so, you know, uh, when the seer comes up with the first idea, the first idea is that they're going to go on a safari, like for antiquities, you know, and yeah. like they're just gonna find old weapons well then you know Walt has too high of a persona I mean you know the the, the federal governments of both you know the United States and Mexico are looking for him yes. and so you know whenever this group of uh, you know of individuals police officers like that finally come to the cathedral and they got it surrounded basically and Walt can't get away the seer comes up with another idea yeah and uh, the, the idea kind of comes from the fact that they happen to have an old gym bag yeah. um, that a border guard, you know, a border patrol guy gave to Walt, you know, to carry a bunch of old weapons in. And it happens to be a Dallas Cowboys yep. uh, duffel bag. Like a, and uh, and it kind of made sense because I thought, you know, okay, Walt's, you know, entry point, you know, into Mexico is Juarez, El, El, you know, El, El right Paso, right from yeah. El Paso. Yeah. And so I just thought, okay, well, you know, who would be, you know, who would be a good <laughs> Um. You know, who would be a good you know good Dallas Cowboy for Walt to be mistaken He's be kind you know, of for? The right age,
0: obviously
1: has the right to be a child, guy who's long huge. retired, long yeah, retired, like yeah. that. You know, and uh, you know, so that if he doesn't look exactly yeah. like he did in his playing he maybe days, see it and <laughs> want to exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like, that, and I started doing just a little. It did. It was very cursory research, like it. But the first thing, I mean, the first guy that I even thought of, I think, might have been Bob Lilly because you know he was big, he was yeah. huge, like it. And I remember, um, I can't remember Reeves. I think it was like it was a wide receiver and he was the coach for the Broncos Dan Reeves Dan yeah, Reeves. yeah. And there was a story that he used to tell like that about uh, about uh, Bob Lilly about how he was like just this big slab of meat, you know that all these guys, you know, really worked out all the time and they had all of this, you know, uh, muscle definition and all this kind of stuff. And Bob Lilly just didn't have any muscle definition at all, but he could pick up the other ten guys on the team and throw them across <laughs> the field. I like, and I thought, well, that's kind of how I see Walt to a certain extent. And then when I read, you know, that he was like six foot five yeah. and that he weighed two hundred and you know fifty five pounds, I was like. Well, there it is. And it's perfect. Right. Like, that's got to be him. Like And so that's when Walt started signing little plastic footballs yeah. in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, I, did, I loved it. I it
0: cracked me up, but I thought it was great. Um, and the, yeah, obviously it ties into the, the Dallas Cowboys being the most prominent Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right.
1: I mean, right. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I, just, I
0: figured it was probably something in that line. Oh, but yeah. I didn't know if you were like a Oh, yeah. I, know, I can't, I can't wait to hear
1: what Bob Lilly has to how think, about how he's <laughs> think about this. I always think about being disguised. I think it's fantastic. And I, and I was
0: kind of curious. I didn't know if you would go with the Denver Broncos since Fan. I wasn't sure. I like, I, Carl oh yeah like that. yeah the yeah, I could, so yeah like, I, 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 I could have but you know yeah, it, the Bob it Bob had
1: to be right, right down there on the mexico border yeah, and I thought, I thought god it'll probably be yeah. dallas yeah it probably Perfect. has to be so <laughs> i, I love this so we'll, we'll
0: wrap it up there we wouldn't want to we don't want to give too much away we talked about a little <laughs> detail but there's still a whole lot more in the book so please go check it out but you can do like i do and certainly download the audiobook george woodell has not lost a step oh no he's still no, no no fantastic he's still at the top of his game so i would encourage you to check that out he is or certainly uh run to your little, your independent bookstores and pick up a copy thank you sir all right thank you very much greg i appreciate it oh, we'll see my you down pleasure. the road again i'm sure we will we will talk to you later <laughs> okay